Hello listeners and welcome to the lockdown series of the British Academy of Jewelry podcast. I'm Sophie Boons and today I'm joined by another guest in a remote discussion in another week of lockdown. With most of us facing a significantly altered reality and most makers amongst us unable to access their workshops with therefore limited access to jewelry, equipment and tools, it's a perfect time to read and a perfect time to be experimental. I therefore have invited Becky Cheeseman, a jewelry designer, maker, educator, and co-author of the book, Color and Textures in Jewelry, to reflect on this challenge. Welcome, Becky. Hi, Sophie. Nice to speak to you today. Thank you so much for joining me. To start, Becky, could you please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, so I'm a designer and maker working primarily with kiln-formed glass and jewellery. I mainly make one-off bespoke pieces, although I do have a few collections too. I write and teach my own bespoke courses in design and manufacture, which I teach in person and online. But for the British Academy of Jewellery, I'm the manufacturer's subject lead, which means that as well as teaching, I get to shape how the manufacturer parts of our courses are put together and I have fun designing new projects for the students with the other manufacturer tutors. You have recently published a very exciting book, and there's no moment like the present to dedicate time to reading. Can you tell our listeners a bit what it is about? Yes, thank you. We're very excited about this. It was a long time in the making. Our aim was to write a book that's accessible and usable at every stage of making, from the beginner right through to the professional maker as well as anyone who's interested in how colour and texture are introduced to a piece of jewellery. It is not a conventional jewellery making book that will show you how to make a collet and a split shank from beginning to end. It's a book on processes. The book explores how colour and texture can be used in the process of designing and making jewellery using basic jewellery making tools, household products and simple setups. Of course, not all techniques can suit these methods, but where possible, we've given options. For example, in the etching section, we describe traditional methods like using nitric acid, which can be difficult to buy and dangerous to use, ferric chloride and ferric nitrate, which are a safer option, and electro-etching using salt water and copper nitrate, which is a lot more fun. And it might be more economical, ecological, and possibly safer to use nitric acid in your home. In the patination section, we've described how to use household chemicals like ammonia, salt, lemon, or chili sauce, and substances that would be available in your workshop, like borax and oroflux, to achieve colour on metal without the need of ordering chemicals that can be difficult to store. And in the enamelling, both torch and kiln-fired methods are explained. The glass section shows the readers how to use a microwave kiln for small-scale fusing, as well as traditional kiln techniques. The chapters of the book include embossed textures, textures created by removing metals, textures created by heat, combined metals, chemical colouring, enamelling, mixed media, mould making and colour theory. So there's a nice choice of techniques to explore there. So, Becky... You have recently published this really comprehensive and super exciting book with so much to explore as a jeweler. For some of the jewelers listening with experience in a certain technique, material or theory who might not have considered sharing their knowledge through publishing a book, 
Was it a challenging endeavour and was it worth it? I would say it was definitely challenging and definitely worth it. It's a fantastic experience and I learned a lot from it. I met some really interesting people who were very generous and helpful sharing their knowledge with us and inviting us to their studios like Brian Fagan, BAC Casting, James Neville of Sam James Engravers. The Hand Engravers Association permitted us to use images of work from their paperweight collection. Lots of people gave their time, like Dave Hardy, our photographer, gave days and days of his time taking over 4,000 photos, which in the end 750 went into the book. Sarah Arnold helped with the design drawing in the technical section. There are so many people that helped us, it's impossible to say all of their names here and now, but people want to help you and they want to give their time as well. So it's been really great for that, for meeting people as well as learning new things. Can I ask a cheeky question, Becky? How many samples do you think you used in the book in the end? Well, there were, there were a lot of samples. Nina and I were making samples for at least the first two and a half years after work and weekends. Our holiday time was taken up with experimenting and sample making. So I reckon there has to be around 250 samples in the book. At our book launch, we showed around 370, and there were quite a few that obviously didn't make the cut, plus all of the like wax carving samples and glass samples that were kind of behind the scenes and stuff. So I would probably say, this is me guessing, um, around 550 to 600 samples in total. But then, of course, we've got like the drawing, you know, the sketches and all of that on top of it. So, yeah, it was quite a, quite a lot of work for both of us. And Becky, how long has it taken to create the book? Because it's clear to see that the quality is really high compared to perhaps other books on the market. Yeah, it, it was a long time in the making. Well, we thought it might take about a year in the beginning, but by the end it took about four years, so it took a long time. And it wasn't only like one day a week, it was like every day of my life after work. So working a full-time job, making my own jewellery, and then adding to the book. So any holiday I had, I was working on the book and so was Nina, of course, you know. So it was really, really full on, but it was, it was an amazing experience, definitely. That it takes dedication is clear to see. Are there any do's and don'ts for anyone considering to develop a book or any other media for that matter to share their knowledge with others? Um, I would definitely say if you are signing a contract and you've got a publisher to really read your contract very carefully and remember that this book took us a very long time to write so it's a huge chunk of your life that you're signing away so don't be shy to ask questions and with publishers you can haggle with them as well you know so they might give you a price you might you know try and get them up on the price or it's it's a good idea to haggle with people that's what i've definitely learned think about publishing it yourself look into that as well definitely say that that might be worth doing for yourself. Pictures are really important. We were extremely lucky with Dave because he gave us so much of his time and he's a professional photographer as well as a jeweler. So he had a really good idea of how to take the photos. So it wasn't like we had to set up everything for him, you know, so he was really good influence on, on how the photos were taken. And for him, it was very important that the right lighting was there, that everything had a nice smooth finish. 
and it all looked clean like it goes together. I would definitely also say that people in our industry are very kind and they love to help each other. So many people helped with this book, as I've already said. But, you know, don't be shy to speak to people. Ask people questions. They'll want to help you. And ask me some questions if you like. We are in lockdown. Many of us don't have access to a jury bench or have only access to limited amount of tools. Do you have any tips for any of us wanting to keep producing colorful jewelry in times of lockdown? Okay, yeah. So if you um, have jewelry that's already made, depending on what metal it is, you could color it. So with base metals like copper or brass, using household ammonia to color it by immersing it and then suspending it into a sealed container with ammonia in the bottom, you can get some really beautiful blues and greens which you can sand off in places to bring the natural color of the metal out as well as having the blues and greens. If I was doing that I would then seal it with a non-yellowing lacquer spray just to protect it a couple of times. If you had silver pieces you could produce some lovely light greens and blues and lilacs using borax. With copper the same thing will give reds and pinks and lilacs. With Auroflux, it will give copper, blues and pinks mix. So you can get some really nice shades in the copper. You could try burying your samples in your compost, but it could take a few weeks to take on the patination that will stay. So the options I've given you before are more instant. Again, if you're working with metals, you could texture the metal using a hammer or just the edge of a hammer face to create a repetitive or random texture or put it on top of a hard textured surface like concrete and hammer it with a rawhide mallet. You could then fill the cavities with colored nail varnish, leave it to dry for a good 24 hours, and then sand the surface flush to allow the lines and colors against the sanded surface of the metal. If you don't have nail varnish, you could use like permanent colored markers too. If you want to work with other materials, you could work with what you have in your recycling bin. So making components out of plastic bottles, bags, paper, cardboard, egg boxes, wood, or found objects. You could make papier-mâché. And once you've cut or shaped or formed your components, you could fold them, crumpling them, or use rubbing techniques to texture your materials. And pens and paints, nail varnish, car body spray, or food dye to color your components. Just play with them, overlapping them, combining them, gluing them, riveting them, wire wrapping them. You could sew them together. Most people have found objects in their house like driftwood or pebbles or sea glass. I don't think I've met anyone who could resist picking up a beautiful shell or pebble from the beach. When I was in Lanzarote, I found some peridot. It was beautiful. So have a play with these. I'm sure you can find a nice way to mount them maybe in some FIMO or cold clay, wire wrap them, papier-mâché or sugaru. Sugaru is like a really cool, flexible rubber that I just found recently. It's quite nice to play with. Stones and pebbles also do really well with paints, which you then, again, you could spray lacquer afterwards. The options are limitless. Wow, there seems to be a lot of things we could be experimenting with, something perhaps we might not have had the time for until now. Are there any jewelers and makers we could be inspired by? 
Yeah, there's some great makers whose work you might like to look at while you're on lockdown, like Tia Kramer, Sarah Kelly, Nell Linson, who make paper jewellery. You've got jewellers that work with mixed media like Joanne Hayward, Leanne Wolfe, Joy Bosworth, you and me. You have people like Jamie MacDonald, who uses recycled materials, and Maria Bellucci, who makes jewellery out of coloured pencils, which is really cool. Kathy Murphy, who works with what she calls non-precious materials in her book. And then you've got others that work with only recycled precious materials, like Uta Decker, Rachel Boston, and Jane Hollinger. There are so many exciting artists and jewellers to be inspired by. Be sure, though, to check out your BAJ tutors, too. They're all practising jewellers in their own right. The world is your oyster. You just have to get online while we're in lockdown and have a good look, experiment and play. Fantastic. Thanks so much. So when we return to work and our daily lives as jewellers, what do you want people to take away from your book? If they're designers or they work at the bench, they most likely chose their job because they enjoy it and because their work inspired them. I'd like them to remember that if you have fun learning, then you remember the process better. That there's always more than one way to execute a technique and that it enhances your skills when you're open to using new techniques, materials or tools. Lastly, if you don't try, you don't know. Words of wisdom. Well, you are in lockdown also, Becky. Can you tell us what you are working on to keep busy? Over the last three weeks at the British Academy of Jewellery, we've been working around the clock to be able to deliver our classes online. This has been really challenging as we've had to make lots of changes in our teaching methods quickly. Delivering now with discussions and conferences online, with videos for demonstrations, and adapting the structure of the lessons and delivery to fit around our learners not having benches at home. So producing 13 videos and giving options how to work at a kitchen table and making your own tools has been my main goal. It's been really eye-opening and a great learning experience for all of us as well as our students. So I haven't had too much time for my own making over the last few weeks, but I have recently done a lockdown giveaway of my book, and a copy of my book is now on its way to Angela Humphrey's design. I'll be giving a book to a lucky winner for every month that we're in lockdown. I say that I haven't had much time for, for making, but actually over the weekend, I did make something. I've played with a new material that I'm not used to using, which is leather. And I managed to make a beautiful, I'm really pleased with it. I'm really excited about it, actually. I made a leather pouch for my sister who's just started pottery lessons so I bought her some tools and I made this pouch to put the tools in and I'm really excited about it. It's got a lovely patinated little uh, little catch. So that's one thing that I actually did make this week. Will we see a picture on your Instagram channel, Becky? Yes, yes, there's a picture and a video. So have a look. I'm currently working on a project for Instagram that I hope my followers and your listeners will be excited about and to take part in. That sounds really intriguing, Becky. Could you tell us a little bit more about this project and how listeners could take part? Absolutely. I'll read you the brief. Calling all jewellers, ceramicists, glass artists, designers and makers. 
this is an invitation to you. Take part in my lockdown challenge, a virtual exhibition. Hashtag Unity in Isolation 2020. The theme is Unity in Isolation. Produce a piece of jewellery inspired by the theme Unity in Isolation. Incorporate colour and texture in the piece that you produce. Your challenge is to use any material that you can find in your home. Now for some people this will be easy as they may have a good stock of materials but for others it may be a bit more challenging. I would like to encourage you to use materials that you would not normally use in your practice but this is not obligatory. As the waters clear in Venice, the smog has lifted in China and the wild goats have reclaimed the villages in Wales, let's give some love to the earth by reusing, upscaling and recycling the materials we have in our home to create something precious. Look around your home. Are there any materials? Do you have any materials that you can make jewellery from? What are materials? Have a look in your recycling bin. What's in there? Have a look in your keepsake box if you have one. What's in there? Can jewellery be made from any material or does it have to be made from metal and stones? Can it be precious if it is not? Wearable or non-wearable jewellery can be made from any material and it can still be skillfully made. It can be beautiful, striking, tactile, colourful, enjoyed, treasured and precious. The end product should be photoed as you want it to be worn. You could also include a 10 second video clip if you feel that the viewer would benefit from this. A brief account of your thought process. This could be in the form of a process storyboard or a maximum of 60 words. The deadline for your submission is the 8th of May. Please post your submissions on your Instagram page. Tag me in at Becky underscore Aura or Jewelry underscore Becky Aura Cheeseman and hashtag Unity in Isolation 2020. Email your, your submissions to becky.auracy at outlook.com. This is a really brilliant initiative and we can post the link to the brief and the challenge on the page of this podcast as well. So any listeners who are inspired to take the challenge can join. Would you have any final sort of tips for anyone considering whether they should take part? Definitely do it. Yeah, I definitely want to, uh, to let it be known that it's for everybody to take part in. It's not, you know, you have to be a professional jeweler. You have to be only a jeweler you know I want anyone who is interested in designing or making or color or texture to get involved and and just do, do something at home I want to encourage people to start designing and making at home so I know that you know we're all in lockdown and it can be quite a hard place to be in but if you're being creative and you're designing and you're making something you're doing something positive then you've got a positive goal to work to so it's going to make you feel good. I think it is fair to say there are many things to do during the lockdown to keep busy. But what better activity than to turn this for most challenging experience in one of exploration and experimentation. Who knows, maybe we'll find shapes and techniques we can be inspired by when life returns back to normal. 
I also imagine customers will be interested in buying maybe jewelry that commemorates this experience. So using it as an inspiration could be something that also supports us commercially. Factually, I think that by facing this challenge Becky has set, we'll be able to connect with each other. Because even though it might feel lonely at times, we're all in this together. Hashtag unity in isolation 2020. Thank you so much, Becky, for joining me for this podcast. I really cannot wait to see the virtual exhibition in May. Uh, thank you, Sophie, for having me. I've really enjoyed our chat. Next week, I'll be joined by another guest. So watch this space to find out who it is. For now, this was Sophie Boons for the lockdown series of the BAJ podcast titled Unlocking Creativity in conversation with Becky Cheeseman. I wish you a good rest of the week and thank you for listening.